Hello, Bridgetown Church, and to all of our internet friends. John Mark Comer here with the Bridgetown Daily for Tuesday, March 31st. Today, I have a scripture for you from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. Now, if you're familiar at all with the New Testament, you know that his first letter, what the Brits call 1 Corinthians and Americans call 1 Corinthians, is by far the more popular of the two. Um, In fact, I had more fun teaching 1 Corinthians many years ago than I think I've ever had teaching the Bible. It's very regular to hear people read from or teach from or quote from his first letter to the church in Corinth. But his second letter is far less popular, Um, you know, and it's a bit harder to understand. It's a little bit more of a downer. A number of scholars argue it's actually a composite of three or four letters all put together. We really don't know for sure, and that's beyond my pay grade. But actually, his second letter is just a gold mine. In particular, if you are in any kind of pastoral leadership, leadership in general or pastoral leadership in particular, a major theme that is running all the way through 2 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians is kind of the weight and the burden and the hardship of life in general and leadership in particular and Paul's relationship with the church in Corinth. So if you are at all a leader in general or in pastoral leadership, whether you are a pastor or a Bridgetown community leader or any one of our leaders, or if you're listening from another church, if you're a pastor on staff at a church or a small group leader or at all involved in leadership in the church, man, I highly recommend you give 2 Corinthians a very serious and slow and unhurried read. And a major theme, as I said, in it is just how hard life in general and leadership in particular is. I was chatting to my good buddy, Evan Wickham, yesterday afternoon on the phone. Evan's a church planner and friend of mine down in San Diego, California. And we were just chatting about how weird it is to pastor in uncharted waters. I mean, how do you pastor a church when for at least two or three months, we don't even have house churches, much less Sunday gatherings? And uh, Evan had a great line. I think he was ripping it from somebody else, but he said, if you're not hurting right now, then you're not leading. And there's truth in that. All of you leaders know, and just in all honesty, all of us know right now, if you're not hurting, you're not leading, or you're not awake, or you're immune to the reality of our cultural moment. But listen to what Paul, who was no stranger to a hard life, what he had to say about what he called his troubles. This is from chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Notice that Paul calls all of his troubles, quote, light and momentary. This is Paul who was put in prison for years on end. This is Paul who was beat to death and left for dead 
multiple times. This is Paul who was under attack and shipwreck and in poverty and bivocational and working long, hard days to make ends meet and to plant churches all over the world. This is Paul who just in a paragraph before said, quote, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Now, I don't know about you, but that does not sound very light or very momentary to me. But listen carefully. Paul is not saying that his troubles are light and momentary, period, full stop. He's saying his troubles are light and momentary compared to the, quote, eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Meaning, if you, it's a word picture. If you were to right now envision your life as kind of a scale, the circumstances of your life on a scale, and think like a Lady Liberty kind of scale from a century or two ago. And on one side of the scale is all of your troubles, major or mundane, whatever they are right now. You are facing um, a loss of your job or underemployment or unemployment or your small business is under duress or you're a creative freelancer and all your work is out the window right now or you're a pastor and you have no idea what's coming for your church or you're sick with COVID-19 or somebody you love, whatever it is, just or you're just home with your children right now. God bless them. Whatever your troubles are, put that, envision that on one side of the scale. And then on the other side of the scale, envision your spiritual formation, for lack of a better word, what the Spirit of God is doing through your troubles to form you into a woman or a man who is like Jesus, and envision eternity. Not the next few months or the next few years or even the next few decades, but life forever with God. Paul is not saying that his troubles are light and momentary. He's saying they are light and momentary compared to. They are light compared to the glory that's lost in translation. But in the original language, the word glory literally is heaviness or weightiness, meaning his troubles are light compared to the glory, the weight of glory, as C.S. Lewis called it, that God is working in your soul to form you and me into a man or a woman who's more and more like Jesus day over day. And they are momentary compared to eternity. Now, we need to hear that. You know, it was said of past generations, there was a critique and a cliche, you know, people are so heavenly-minded they are of no earthly good. But I think a more fitting critique of our generation is we are so earthly-minded that we're no heavenly good. Put another way, if past generations were often so focused on the future that they neglected the here and now, our generation has a far greater danger that, you know, we're so focused on the here and now that we miss the point of both. As C.S. Lewis once said, quote, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in, aim at earth and you get neither. And we need to hear that our troubles are light and are momentary. We need to hear not just that, you know, this too shall pass, although we do need to hear that, I do at least, at an emotional level, this too shall pass, it will. 
life will resume. As they said during World War II, which was much longer, longer and much worse than anything we are facing now, quote, we will rebuild. Or as the poet David said thousands of years before, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We are in a valley of the shadow of death right now as we speak in our city and our nation and our world, but we will walk through it. We will get through this pandemic. But listen carefully. We need, anybody can say that to you. I could be a full-on secular humanist atheist and I could say that to you, a little shot in the arm. We need to look beyond not just the few months, next few months, or the next few years, but beyond the next century to our life forever with God. And we need to recognize this is just, it's not even a blip on the timeline that is eternity with God, and that our troubles are an invitation to let Jesus do a deep work of stripping us down and setting us free. I hate to say this, and you hate to hear it, but very few things, you all know it's true, very few things have the potential to form us into the image of Jesus, to forge us in the crucible, as does suffering. Many of you are suffering right now. Job loss or job uncertainty, kind of cramped quarters with your family or roommate or the lack thereof, and you feel lonely and isolated, torn away from your church and the shutdown, whatever it is, your health of your body or of somebody you love. But whatever your troubles are, again, major or mundane, whatever it is that each of us is facing, facing it's nothing compared to the, quote, eternal glory that is waiting for us in God. And so Paul's invitation is, listen, just fix your eyes, not on what is seen, not on the news or whatever, because that is temporary, but on what is unseen, on Jesus and on the person you are becoming in Jesus, because that is eternal. Let's just take a moment now and pray. I invite you just to take a deep, breath in and out and breathe in the Spirit of God who's already in you. Come back to your body. If you just want to feel your feet on the ground and just come back to reality, to the moment. Become aware of any tension that you are carrying in your body and just breathe it out to God in prayer. That could be tightness in your chest or an ache in the back of your neck or your spine or pain in your head or it could be heat on your skin or cold in your extremities or a pit on your stomach. Just as you become aware of it, just release it out to God in prayer. You could just do that with your body, just breathing it out to God, or you could just say in the quiet of your mind, God, I give you the pit in my stomach, my grief, my anxiety, my fear, my stress, the tension. Our body was not designed to carry stress long-term, and a lot of us do right now due to the 24-hour news cycle and such. Just release all of that to God, and then just take a moment and draw to mind your troubles, major or minor, whatever they are or aren't. Just draw to mind whatever it is that you're facing right now. And then I just invite you to, in your mind's eye, with the aid and the amplification of the Spirit of God, 
to see your troubles in light of eternity, not just a few months from now or a few years from now, but a few million years from now, and to see your troubles in light of the weight, the glory that God is at work to form in you through your troubles. And now, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I ask that for all of those listening right now, and even for myself, that you would give a buoyancy to our heart, that you, God, would enable us to not lose heart, as Paul said. But I pray that you would, in the language of the New Testament, fill our heart with your Holy Spirit and with the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience or endurance or steadfastness, compassion and kindness through all of it. To close, for this week, I just want to pray a benediction over you from Clement of Rome. If you know your church history, Clement was Pope in the 14th century during the first wave of the Black Death from 1348 to 1350, which was a devastating plague. And he would walk the streets of Rome and pray this benediction over the church. And now I adopt it as my closing prayer over you. We ask you, Master, be our helper and defender. Rescue those of our number in distress. Raise up the fallen, assist the needy, heal the sick, turn back those of your people who stray, feed the hungry, release our captives, revive the weak, encourage those who lose heart. Let all the nations realize that you are the only God, that Jesus Christ is your son, and that we are your people and the sheep of your pasture. Amen.